guys. I know that y'all know that, and y'all know that it's more than me that loves you. I think one of the things that's special about our church is that uh, it's not just a couple of people that are paid to be here that really love you, <laughs> you know. I, I went upstairs about 9.05. I, I do that because I always, I'm always like, hey, church is about to start. I know you want to hang out, but it's time. And there were like 15 people greeting at the door. <laughs> it's like half the people in here. And I just love that about our church. And so um, whatever the week has been for you or has done to you or you've done to it, a lot of times in church we just want to talk about what's happened to us, but some of us messed up this week, okay? I don't know if you all ever had testimony night in your church growing up, but we were always like, yeah, three years ago I really messed up, but we never were like, last night, you know. But some of us, that's it. That's it. You know what? But God loves you so much, you know, and his gospel's for you. And so uh, I better preach. So uh, next week, by the way, is Mother's Day. Uh, so yeah, get your mom something and your, and your wife. Okay, that counts too. Okay, so next week is Mother's Day. We'll have a, a great photo booth and everything for you. So uh, bring your mama to church. Come to church next week, Mother's Day. Okay, we'll be in Luke chapter 9 again today, if you want to go ahead and turn there or scroll there. I've been so looking forward to preaching this text at the end of Luke 9, near the end of Luke 9, because it addresses something that we all think about. Who's really the best? Is it me? Is it you? Who's really number one in this room right now? So Jesus is kind of talking to his guys, his crew, and he tells them, you know, he's like, hey, so I'm going to be killed eventually. And they're like, all right, cool. So who's the best here? Literally, he's like, hey, so some really, the son of man, and they're like, all right, anyway, so who's number one out of our crew right here? And we love that. Like for, for 2,000 years, and even before and even after, we just love to rank things. College football preseason rankings are going to come out soon, and we're all going to debate it. Like, why is Alabama so high? Where is Texas? But then that's explainable, but like where... <laughs> You know, why is Notre Dame even on the list? They always fail at the end, all these kinds of things. But it's a little pointless because they haven't even played a down yet, and we're debating who is number one. Last year, TCU wasn't even in the preseason top 25. They did pretty well. Played for the championship, uh, you know, had eight guys or so drafted in the NFL last week. So they did, and, and before any downs were played, everybody's like, oh, we're not even going to consider them. But what about Texas, right? Okay, sorry to go at Texas this morning. That wasn't in my notes, but God had it for you. So, but... <laughs> But yet, we'll debate when all that comes out, the preseason, who's number one? Who's the preseason number one? All that kind of thing. And we do this with everything. Who's the greatest rapper? You know, NJ or LeBron? I wish it was LeBron, but it's NJ. You know, for now, LeBron's still playing. So who's the greatest, right? Where, who has the best barbecue? Obviously, it's Texas. But within Texas, who has the best? By the way, uh, Texas Monthly has like the, the list on that. And they say that Fort Worth is kind of the, the, the Texas uh, barbecue capital, which kind of means we're the barbecue capital of the world. Goldies, Panther City, Danes, y'all got to go. Okay, so, but we love to debate it, right? A poll recently showed that 65% of people said that they were smarter than the average American. So the, the average American thinks they're smarter than the average American. If you're in the bottom 50%, at least 16% of those people are wrong, okay? And so we love to compare and contrast ourselves, size ourselves up against what other people are doing. And so let's look at what happens when Jesus' guys, while sitting with Jesus have their preseason, uh, they debate their preseason rankings. Look at Luke 9, 46 to 48. An argument arose among them as to which of them was the greatest. But Jesus, knowing the reasoning of their hearts, took a child, pulled him in close, and 
said to all of his disciples, whoever receives this child in my name receives me. And whoever receives me receives him who sent me. For he who is least among you is the one who is great. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. Again, they're sitting with Jesus. They can ask him anything they want, and this is what they want to talk about. Like, it would have been so helpful. Like, instead of jockeying for position and trying to see who's the best, if they'd have gone, hey, Jesus, while we have you, like, kind of flesh out, what do you think about Calvinism? Would you just kind of walk us through, hey, Jesus, while we have you for a moment, would you really kind of just walk us through women's roles in the church? Just really, that would have been awesome, right? But instead they go, hey, who's the best here, Jesus? But in verse 47, Jesus, seeing and knowing their hearts, brought a child over, pulled him in close, and said, whoever receives this child receives me, and not just me, but the Father as well. And then Jesus really kind of flips how we rank greatness and how they rank greatness. He says, it's the person who takes the lowly position who's really great. What? Because I, when I think of greatness, I think I naturally just think of like the Mamba mentality with Kobe or like a great political leader throughout the centuries. But So how do we, how do you define greatness? Jesus says, the person who takes the lowly position of service is great. Kids in that culture were not greatly valued. They were the lowest value that, that they say. Scholars say that children had the lowest place in society, so the disciples had to be like, serve the kids to be great? What? It was mind-blowing for them. So instead of Alexander the Great being someone who Jesus really said is the one, it's really, he's describing somebody more like Tabitha in Acts chapter 9. You can turn quickly. I don't know if you remember the, the story of Sister Tabitha. But it says in Acts 9.36, there was in Joppa, that was a city, a disciple named Tabitha, which translated means Dorcas. Dorcas is tough, so we're going to stick with Tabitha. She was full of good works and acts of charity. What a testimony. She's about to die in a second here. And her life summarized is she was full of good works and acts of charity. In those days, she became sick and died. And they washed her body and they laid her in an upper room. And since Lydda was near Joppa, but they were about 10 miles away, the disciples, hearing that Peter was there, they knew that Peter could do miracles in Jesus' name. They sent two men to Peter, urging him, saying, hey, please come and try to heal Tabitha and raise her from the dead. So Peter went with them. And when he arrived in that town, they took him to the upper room. And all the widows huh, stood beside Peter, weeping and showing their tunics and other garments that Tabitha Dorcas had made while she was alive. And Peter ends up uh, raising... So but Peter, I'll, I'll read it. But Peter put... He kicked everybody outside and knelt down and prayed and turning to the body, he said, Tabitha, arise. And she opened her eyes. And when she saw Peter, she sat up and she gave her his hand and he raised her up and he called everybody back in, the widows and everybody, and presented her alive. And it became known throughout all the town that many and many believed in the Lord. And so here's this disciple, the, the scripture says, Tabitha, who served the heck out of widows in Joppa, and she got sick and died, and all the widows are like, what are we going to do now? What's going to happen? So if you were reading with first century eyes, something would jump, out of the, jump off the page to you. Uh, her funeral being attended by a lot of widows was noteworthy. Okay, People did not spend time with widows. They were down and out in that society. You did not invite them to, to dinner parties. You did, I mean, it was so you know, didn't socialize with him. So society really had nothing to do with him. But here they were. It says that they were showing tunics because she made their clothes. 
She fed them. She took care of these ladies that the rest of society had nothing to do with, even wanted to forget they were there at all. Tabitha took care of the women that the rest of society just kind of threw to the side. And you know, when God birthed the idea of Redemption City in our hearts years ago, this is the kind of church that we prayed we would be. A church full of Tabithas that we would be the people who take care of people, you know, especially the ones that society has thrown out. So Tabitha left a mark on the people in her town by just spending time with and taking care of the people that nobody else wanted to even remember or realize were there. Her simple service to unnoticed people is the exact sort of disciple that Jesus is looking for in Fort Worth, Texas today. Um, the world tells us to be impressive. We're, we're told, we're sold that the kind of life that is fulfilling is full of important people doing important things, getting to the right parties and all these things. But Tabitha invested her life serving the poor, seen by no one, and she was satisfied in Christ. So again, verse 39, mentioning that they were showing their tunics, that she fed them, she took care of them, she made their clothes, they needed her, they loved her, she died, and they don't know that she's about to be raised back to life. They think that she's, everybody they ever knew that ever died was dead, right? Except for one notable exception, I guess, okay? Okay. <laughs> the answer is always Jesus, that's right. But they knew that she loved them, and she dies, and they're just crying their eyes out. They're sobbing, really is the word, at her funeral. And it makes me think, like, who would cry at my funeral? Today, if something happened to you, let's be a little morbid and think about our funerals right now. If something happened to you today, you would have dropped dead, and we had your funeral in a couple of days, who would be crying at your funeral? Who are you serving in Jesus' name today that if you died today, I died today, they would go, well, what are we going to do now? Where are my clothes going to come from? Who's going to feed me? Who's going to take care of me? Who are you serving today? Um, look for opportunities. You know, would there be a bunch of foster kids going, you know, I wouldn't have had a home if not for them. Or a guy, guy steps up in your funeral and he goes, you know what? I really messed up. I really messed up. But they were at my house every night during my darkest days. They checked on me. They brought me food. When everybody else in my life left me, they stuck with me. Who are you serving today? And who would cry at your funeral like Tabitha served these widows? Look for opportunities to serve. Is a step into somebody's life, right? Uh, get creative. Take initiative. I, I doubt that Tabitha signed up for the widow ministry as the paper sign-up sheet went around her Sunday school class. I doubt that. I bet she saw a widow who needed help and got to serving. She took initiative. She goes, I can help there. That's us. Again, and again, as Jesus is saying, that's who's great in God's kingdom. And we all want to be great. Right? And what's wrong with wanting to be great? Nothing and everything at the same time. Uh, no one wants their life to be insignificant or meaningless, but what Jesus is teaching us here in Luke 9 is how do we actually achieve significance? What is real meaningfulness? What does that look like? And it's not in our bank account totals, and it's not in our job titles, and it's not in our marital status. Okay, there's all scriptural ideas. It's, you know, greatness is not found in whether you fly first class or in coach or whether you have more authority than others. In God's kingdom, greatness involves serving others, especially the outcast, especially the kid at your school or the person around you who everybody else has forgotten about. Great people minister to the one that the rest of society wants to forget is even there. That's what Jesus is asking us to be this morning. That's how Jesus defines greatness. Now, I don't know this. I'm stepping out on a bit of a textual limb here, okay? But it's interesting to me that the disciples have this debate right after Jesus goes up to a mountain to pray, and he only takes three of them. This has just happened, okay? 
So only three of them were in the group text. He goes up to a mountain to pray. And so I wonder, like, were the, were the other nine kind of jealous? You know, did the other nine kind of feel excluded? Or did the three who went, they're the ones that started this debate. So, you know, Peter's like, all right, I'm clearly top three. Um, clearly. Um, am I one, two, or three? Because he said that about John Sandals yesterday. So does that mean that John's two? Am I, you know, so we very quickly get off mission when we begin comparing ourselves to others. When somebody else gets an opportunity or somebody else gets a blessing and somebody else, something good happens to them, we very quickly just get off mission comparing ourselves to them. I don't even really have to explain how comparison is a joy killer. I don't really have to, y'all know that. This is the reason that we should probably all get off social media. I'm still going to be on it this afternoon, but we should probably all get off, you know. That's why everybody who takes like a social media break, they all, have you ever noticed they all feel better after? It's because they, you're not constantly inundated with comparing yourself to others. My grandparents got to have no idea what their friends did on vacation. Their friends would just leave for a week, come back. How was it? Great. Cool. Anyway, right? But now we get to see what every meal that they eat, and we're like, ah, what a life. Look at my old life, right? So we just compare, compare, compare. When we compare our greatness and our kind of rank in God's kingdom to others, one of two things happens. When you compare your rank in God's kingdom, one of two things. Either you go, oh, man, they're so much better than me, and I'm so, oh, and I'm just, no, I don't have, I'm just not a good, I'm just, uh. Or, worse, you compare yourselves to others, and you're like, they're kind of, and I'm kind of, you know, I kind of got it going on. They're actually not that great, and I'm kind of awesome, right? And so comparison either tears down or puffs up. Comparison never is, it's never neutral, okay? So you're like, yeah, that person, they only, they haven't been to church in like a month. I'm kind of awesome, right? And so, uh, and, and this happens to everybody. Like, I really love being a pastor. I think y'all can probably tell that I really enjoy what I get to do. I hope that I die doing this in a few decades, a long time from now, right here at Redemption City. But let me tell you what can, if I'm not careful, suck the joy right out of ministry, okay? And it's comparing what's happening here to other churches, um, I love what's happening here, and it's amazing. And all of a sudden, I see somebody else, and I'm like, oh, well, what about... So I have developed this spiritual discipline, and it really is a spiritual discipline to where I audibly say, good for them. Every time I hear about something good that's happening at another church or another brother's life, I'm like, awesome. I, even if it's on Instagram or Twitter, I say it out loud. Awesome, good for them. Praise God, okay? And I've done that so long and so often, I actually mean it now. Okay, I actually mean it when I say it. It wasn't true at first, but I mean it when I say it because you know what? Their journey is not my journey. Their journey is not my journey. Praise God for what he's doing in those churches around Texas and the country. May their favor increase. I mean it, you know? You know, when Courtney and I, my wife and I, first began to kind of pray and think about where to plant a church, we looked everywhere. It's like 10, 12 years ago now. We talked about, you know, we went to visit Chicago and Philly and all these places. There's an alternate reality where my kids are Eagles fans right now, which would be awful, right? So praise God he saved us from that mess. So, uh, so we, we, we talk about, we're talking about every city in the country. What should we plant there? What about there? And just kind of in a conversation one night, we're talking, and my wife just kind of throws out, well, what about San Diego? Great weather. What if we planted there? And I go, yeah, there's not a famous pastor there. She goes, well, what do you mean? I go, oh. Maybe there's more in my heart to wanting to plant a church than just make disciples and make Jesus famous. Maybe I wouldn't mind a few retweets, okay? And thus began a season of God ripping idols out of my heart, and it was awesome. Okay, great. And so, (laughs) and, you know, this is the reason, by the way, you've heard me say it before, and I say it all the time. This is the reason that I say 
this is not my church. I don't say that for you. I say that for me. Because my life, our church is his. <laughs> it's his. And thus is the way to happiness. And now I actually get to enjoy ministry because I don't have to have success. I don't have to have this platform or whatever. Now I just get to give it to God and go home and take a nap. You know, it's great. Um, maybe the sermon today, maybe you're, you're, you're thinking, you're like, man, I can't be great in God's kingdom. You don't know my past. You don't even know what I've done. Like, oh, y'all cleaned up people in here, if you only knew. Uh, you, know, all, you know, so you don't know my story. You don't know what I've done. Hey, listen, Noah was a drunk. Thomas was a doubter. Jonah ran from God. He hated the people that God called him to. Gideon was full of fear. Abraham was like super old. Okay. Rahab was a prostitute. Martha was a worrier. Peter denied Jesus in public. Everybody in here has a jacked up story. I promise you. Okay. I know them. We're not good people who God selected off the top, okay? Uh, it's by His goodness. It's His death, burial, and resurrection by which we live today. And anything, that good, anything good that comes out of me is His imputed righteousness coming out of me. And so we're a ragtag collection of surrendered and transformed people who love God and love others. Uh, we are captivated by the idea that it's not about us, but it's all about Jesus. We're gripped by his story and his heart for Fort Worth and for the world. We are grace givers, risk takers, and dreamers. We'll link arms with anybody who's telling the story of Jesus. We empower the poor, strengthen the weak, embrace the outcast, seek the lost. We worship together, live life together, serve together, and our city will change because God sent us here. We believe that small things done with great love will change the world. We believe that Small things done with great love will change the world. You know, you don't have to preach like Billy Graham to, to make a world-changing impact. Tabitha, she just served widows. And it seems, even as I say it like that, she just served widows. No, she made a world-changing impact by caring for people. You can be great. Create change by simply living out the way of Jesus, by serving people in Jesus' name. If you look for people who need help, guess what? They're everywhere, okay? You'll find them. So, Jesus is calling you to this redefined greatness today. And he's calling us to this redefined greatness. In about 20 years of ministry, I've worked in seven churches, kind of all shapes and sizes, all kind of places. And, you know, I have friends across the country where we always talk in ministry. I'm kind of a church nerd. I love talking about church work with friends and, and pastors. And I, and I follow and look at all this stuff. And as I've learned and seen, you know, no church in the world, no Christian church in the world would say, we don't serve people. Like, we're not really interested in serving. We, we don't do that. That's not us. But I think the defining line is, is service a tactic or is it who we are? Okay. Are we serving others to feel good? Are we serving others to grow as a church? Or are we serving because it's who we are? Like, down to our bones, are, is it who we are? We've tasted and seen how good Jesus is, and so we can't help but serve our neighbors and our city with no strings attached, you know? Uh, to step into true greatness as a church, we don't need, you know, better lights for me to wear tighter jeans. I'll do it. If that's what it took, I'd do it. Praise God. <laughs> it's not needed. Uh, save your comments. Hey, Seuss, thank you. Uh, and, and that's all fine. Guys who wear tight jeans and they, they do different licenses. Praise God. Go for it. I'm not, you know, that's just, for y'all's sake, that's not me. But to step into God's goodness, to step into goodness and to draw people to Jesus, we don't need to be more religious. We need to be more connected into our schools and into our neighborhoods, into our communities. 
What are the people's names that live to your right, the door in front of you, and the door to your left? What is their spiritual condition? Right? That's how we make an impact. And, you know, one of the most Christian things that you can do is serve on your kid's PTA board to be part of your HOA and, and all those kinds of things that are uh, great. And so, you know, so three ways that you can live out to, you know, live this out today in an ongoing way. We have some ministries that you can take part in right now. So we do a lot of refugee care. Uh, Kimberly and Jeff Brooks will be back at, at the Connect table after this. They can talk to you about. So they serve weekly, a couple times a week, actually. So you can serve once a month. You can serve regularly. There's all kinds of ways that you can connect in there. They can talk to you about that. Our city is blessed with a lot of people who have come here with the shirts on their back, right? And God's heart is for the refugee. We know that in the scriptures. We see that very clearly. And so, you know, you can learn out. And, and in fact, there are some really tangible ways. May 27th, they're having like a donation day. They can tell you all about it, okay? Refugee care, you can, you can join in right now. Teen nights, uh, Fridays at our YMCA. So uh, a year ago or so, um, we recognized the why and us, you know, we, you know, we recognized our, you know, teens in our area need a safe place to hang out. A lot of temptations coming their way. And so let's open the building. And so, you know, so you could serve there every Friday night, once a month, twice a month, whatever your schedule looks like. So the, the uh, director of the YMCA is going to be at the back today. You can talk to him and uh, that'd be great. Okay. It's like Friday night, they play dodgeball. This is like the easiest, best ministry ever. Okay. You had to hit kids in the face with a dodgeball. Third, don't do that. Redemption City Kids Ministry. Uh, Courtney Fox will be at the back to talk about that as well. Uh, I wish that I could share with you a bunch of stories that I can't share about what's happening in our kids' ministry, about little kids and their, what's going on at home. And then they come here and they get a fresh breath of Jesus. And they have adults who care for them with no strings attached. And so even just upstairs every week, we have kids who, when is going to make me cry? Well, we've never had a staff meeting where Courtney Fox doesn't cry, by the way, and I love it. I think it's awesome. So seriously, so you can live out Luke 9 and what Jesus is saying today. You can be great in his kingdom by serving in our kids' ministry. So those three, they'll be at the back in just a little while. Connect table, you can talk to about refugees, uh, refugee care, and uh, teen night, and then city kids. That's obvious right there. So those ministries have real impact. You know, where real stories are being shared and you can make a real difference. You can become great in God's kingdom by serving uh, people within those. So join into those, but, but also, so join into those. And also, you can start something. You know, we have a starting culture. We started the church, and so we have a starting culture here. And so even this week, Hadassah, she's not here today, she went back home, but Hadassah asked me, she's like, hey, does, does our church, do we ever like go serve at a soup kitchen or at a food bank? And I'm like, that's something that we will do, that we want to do, but we haven't yet. We need somebody to like, you know, connect with a food bank, organize us, and we're ready to go. You know, so that's one of those things that we're, and Hadassah, I'm not going to let do it because we have a rule here. You can only serve in two Redemption City ministries, and she already serves in three, so she can't do it. So it's going to be somebody else, okay? But that's one of those things that, you know, maybe you're like, you know, they should really do that. Well, you're they. Hello? That, you know, Redemption City, they should really serve at a food bank. You're they. So let's go on. Let's get going, okay? You know, Chaz and Amy, they never dreamed of starting a church in Fort Worth, Texas, but here we are. They moved their life, and so maybe you sense a need for, like, better counseling in our city. There's a deficit of, you know, accessible counseling. Okay, well, go get the education. We'll start it. 
I'm not even kidding. I mean, get the education. We'll start a counseling center. Let's do it together, okay? You see kids in our area who need more access to better tutoring post-COVID? Great. Let's start, a, let's start a tutoring center together. I'm not even kidding, man. Let's go. Uh, maybe you're in the medical field and you see the need for better access to health care for mothers with low income. Let's get it. Let's get after it together. Uh, I mentioned the teen night. So what dream has God placed in your heart or what skills has he given you that you can bless the city? Okay. We live in the greatest city in the world. I, I know that to be true, but there's still lots of problems to solve. Right. And we're not going to wait on the government to do it. Amen. Okay. Come on, somebody. God sent us here, the church, to get after it in Jesus name to become great by being the least, right? So what skills do you have that can bless somebody? Maybe you have a financial background. Even uh, Pastor Jeffrey and I, we went door to door kind of when we were first starting. And one of the needs that we sensed in our community was coaching on, you know, for taxes, personal income, budgeting, things like that. There's people asking for that in the community. Maybe you have a financial background. You can bless somebody with that. Um, somebody could start a deaf translation on Sundays where, we, where somebody could worship and you know, engage in the sermon every single Sunday. The YMCA needs coaches in virtually every sport, okay? Maybe that could be you. I'd love to connect you. Our area needs ministries like Celebrate Recovery. I've already told you about, so we're starting an ESL, English as a Second Language Ministry, this fall. And the way that happened, there's a young lady in our church who saw, like, there's a lot of people moving to our area who don't know English. And she's like, imagine moving to a place and you don't know what people are saying and the signs say and how lonely that could be. So there's a church about 12 miles from here that she's been serving in that ministry for, for about a year. She's getting like training and accreditation now so that she can start it at the Y or wherever we have it this fall. So she saw a need, she's taken steps, she's learned, and now we're ready to bless people, you see. And even, so some of us think that way. What can I start? I'm going to start a tutoring center. Let's go. I'm going to start a school. These kinds of things. That's amazing. And also, so this, the second and also, bless as you go. My wife doesn't have a ton, does not have a ton of free time, okay? There's always at least one kid sick. Something's always going on. But her minivan is an embassy of the kingdom, man. I'm telling you, she's always... <clears throat> emotional day today. Uh, she's always like picking... Uh, kids up, taking them to school, and in that minivan, that old minivan that she rides around in, all the time, kids are bearing burdens with her. Little kids are sharing. I preached about deserts a few months ago, and this little girl shared the desert that she's in with my wife. You know, that happens. So as you go, bless the people at your school. Bless the people in your office and on your street. As you go, serve. Become lowly, and in that we find greatness, right? On and on I could go. You've each been empowered to do this, not just by me and our elders, but, but by Jesus himself. Um, just imagine a church, you know, that takes the lowly position of service in our city, where that we serve the poor and the down and out and invited them into our fellowship. And imagine a church that we also reach the rich and the up and coming and welcome them in just the same. Right? Imagine a church that is the epicenter of a revival, not because the music, the music and the preaching are making headlines, but because people are serving their neighbors and giving their lives away like Jesus did. Imagine a church that cares for refugees and, and builds a pregnancy center that cares for unborn babies and mothers and a church who builds houses for the homeless. Imagine a church where love is at the center and worldly dividing lines are checked at the door. Imagine a church that so lived out Jesus' way that the city around them could not help but want in on the action. A church for Fort Worth. A church so sure of what Jesus accomplished on the cross and by his resurrection that we just have to tell our neighbors. <laughs>